believe that anything is possible. I'm Amy. I used to be riddled with self-doubt and had a bad case of imposter syndrome. Now I'm cured. So cured that I found the guts to walk away from my 25-year career. Tune in week after week as I share how to find your keys to courage. Believe it's the key to everything. I want to take a step back today and share how I got to this space. How did I end up a woman in her mid-40s, riddled with self-doubt, riddled with imposter syndrome? Up until very recently, I didn't even know the answer to that. But with some serious self-reflecting, I've started to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And my wish is by sharing my story, I can help you connect the dots in your story. I started teaching elementary school when I was 21 years old. I graduated from college with my undergrad in four years. I had always been that student that wanted to please. I didn't need my parents to push me. I didn't need threats. I didn't need rewards. There was this intrinsic need in me to do well, to try my best. I wanted to make teachers happy. I was the quintessential good girl. So going back into my own education, really thinking back to those formative years, surprisingly enough for someone that went into the profession, I didn't have a lot of great role models. In fact, it was the opposite. I had some really damaging teachers. I'm not angry at them. I see it for what it was now, Maybe just broken people, people that didn't realize the effect they were having on young kids, especially kids that wanted to please like me. The first memory that I have of one of these teachers that really set me on this path of self-doubt, feeling bad about myself, wondering why I wasn't good enough was in the second grade. I went to a Catholic school, and it wasn't because we were extremely religious in my family. My dad, bless his heart, he lost his mom when he was a young boy. His mom was an Italian Catholic, and he went to Catholic school, and I believe he put me in Catholic school more of a family tradition than anything. We weren't strict Catholics at home. We went to church on Sundays. That was about it. We didn't even pray at mealtime. So I found myself enrolled in a Catholic school. Surprisingly enough, the second grade teacher wasn't a nun. Just a woman that didn't like kids very much. She was single. In my little second-year-old body, I remember her being old. Maybe she was in her late 50s. 
and she was angry. And of all the kids in the class, she was really angry at me. For whatever reason, something about me set her off. Even being that good girl that wanted to please, I never talked in class. I did my best on all my work. I remember distinctly her talking to me in the corner of the classroom under her breath with this anger in her voice. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. We were her life. She would crochet these little hair ribbons to match my school uniform. My hair was always perfectly in place, usually in pigtails with little curls and these matching bows that she made. For whatever reason, that woman did not like it. She would corner me and say, you think you're so cute with those little matching hair bows. You're not. God doesn't like children that think they're better than anybody else. And I just remember being terrified. I didn't think I was cute. I didn't think I was better than anyone else. I remember telling her, my mommy does my hair. My mommy makes these bows. I I don't think I'm cute. But this woman had venom in her soul for me. And any chance she had, she would remind me that God didn't like little girls like me. She wrote a big book on the board with good and bad on either side. I remember we were going to go to Disneyland one weekend and we weren't going to be able to make it to church that Sunday. My name went on the bad side and she told me that kids like me, God was going to take their parents away. It was so confusing. I didn't share this with my parents, but I started having night terrors. I would bolt up in bed, screaming bloody murder. My parents didn't know what was going on. I don't think I even really knew what was going on. I just knew I was terrified. Finally, I don't even remember what they got out of me, but they got something out of me about this woman and what was going on. And they marched me in to the principal's office and said that what was going on was not acceptable. And the principal said, oh, I know that she's awful, but she's only got a few years left. You know, please keep Amy at the school. We know she's a great kid. Bless my parents' hearts, they did not keep me at that school. They pulled me out. But this damage had been done. I actually had night terrors up until about a year ago. And I never really understood why, because I knew that I wasn't abused as a kid. My parents weren't perfect, but they were loving. There was no abuse. I wasn't sexually abused. I wasn't physically abused. I wasn't verbally abused by my parents. But I think that series of events that started in second grade 
did enough damage to me to cause that fear that caused those night terrors. Fast forward a couple years, and I was in just a regular public school, always trying to do my best. I remember there was a reading contest, and I did love books, but I took this to the extreme. The kids that won the contest got to go out to lunch with the teacher to a little fast food restaurant called Carl's Jr.'s. It wasn't even my favorite restaurant, but man, was I determined to win that contest to win the adoration of my teacher. My mom and my little brother and I would march into the library and we'd all leave with armfuls of books. Every book I read, I got a sticker on this board. I read over 1,000 books. I think it was like 1,472. I won the contest. I got to go to lunch with the teacher. That was the kind of kid I was. I think it was in fourth grade. I took some test and some teacher said that I was going to skip a grade. So to little me, that was exciting. I, I went up to the next grade, but it was only for about a month. And then I was told, actually, we made a mistake. You're really not smart enough to skip grades. So they put me back really damaging to a little kid. A few years later, I tested for what was called the MGM program, mentally gifted minors, kind of like the gate program today. I was in this special class, but I never really felt like I should have been there. I felt like they made a mistake, probably stemming from that time that I skipped a grade, but then was put back. Come to find out the next year, They said I didn't qualify. It was actually a mistake. (laughs) And I wasn't in the gifted class the next year. Same thing with high school. I never tested good enough to be in the special classes. And my SAT score, it sucked. So I kept getting all of this confirmation along the way in my educational road on why I wasn't, in fact, good enough for anything. I think this example my senior year may have been the icing on the cake. I went to high school with Summer Sanders. She was an Olympic swimmer. She won multiple golds. She was actually a friend of mine. We were in the same math class our senior year, and our teacher had a a spot on the board when you got accepted to the college that you were going to, you got to write down the college, and it was a really exciting thing. Well, Summer got a full ride to Stanford, and it was awesome, and we were all so excited for her. I only applied at one college, and it was a state college. It was the college my dad went to. It was about an hour and a half from home, and that's where I wanted to go. It was called Chico State. I was so excited when I got my letter of acceptance. I couldn't wait to get my name on the board in class. I remember going in, walking up there, writing down Chico State, 
and sitting in my seat, like beaming with pride. The bell rang and the teacher was about to start class. And he paused and he looked at the board and saw the new addition that Amy Davidson was going to go to Chico State. And he said, class, can we all take a minute and let's see, Summer is going to Stanford and Amy, she got into Chico State. Let's give her a round of applause. And it was with this sticky sarcasm that cut through my soul. Everybody was laughing. I was humiliated. I ran out of class sobbing into the bathroom. Summer came after me. She felt awful. She didn't even do anything. And she just hugged me and said, I'm so sorry. I don't think he meant that. But it was, you know, a pretty crappy thing to say. So again, that just confirmed what a loser I was. Any time in my educational career where I felt a little bit proud of myself, it's like I just got cut down. And maybe that's why I became a teacher. I know I remember wanting my students to feel like they could do anything. I wanted them to love school. I wanted them to feel loved. That was my purpose. That was my passion. And that is what I did for the nine years that I taught elementary school. I went to birthday parties. I went to dance performances. I went to beauty pageants they were in. I took kids trick-or-treating on Halloween. I went to dinner at kids' homes if they invited me. I loved every single kid. And I think I love them enough because I wasn't loved by any of my teachers. I was kind of invisible and I just wanted to be noticed. So I made sure that every kid I had was noticed. I made sure that every kid could win the contests, that every kid knew there was something special about them and that scores didn't matter, that they were more than their scores. I wanted my special needs kids to feel that they could accomplish big things. I wanted my high achievers to know that they could accomplish more. And that is why at 21, I fell into a career that set my soul on fire. I loved going to work. I was making like $22,000 and I felt like I won the lottery. Being able to do a job that I loved? How lucky was I to get to go to work and get paid for doing something that I loved? I had friends making two, three, four times the amount of money I was making that were miserable, and I knew how lucky I was. 
all because I found my purpose at 21. That is a little glimpse into how I ended up my mid-40s without a whole heck of a lot of confidence or courage, self-esteem, or belief in myself. And that huge case of imposter syndrome. Even though I had a master's degree, a credential, an undergrad, I had 100 units past my bachelor's. I had this crazy feeling that at any time someone's going to show up at work and say, oh, excuse me, you didn't actually graduate. You weren't smart enough. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't actually have a credential. We're taking that away from you. That is how I felt. That is imposter syndrome, people. I cured it. You can cure it if you have it. I started doing things that scared me. And I'm going to keep giving you examples. If you've ever suffered with imposter syndrome, if you know somebody that does, if you know somebody that is amazing, but they don't see it, send them this episode. Send them to my website. I have a free newsletter at keystocourage.com. I am sharing this story because I know there are other me's out there. There are other incredible people that don't know that they're incredible because someone or some experience has gotten into their head and told them that they weren't. If you are alive, you are incredible. You are a miracle. You have gifts that can be uncovered to do amazing things on this earth. But you got to cure yourself from imposter syndrome. It's possible. I did it. Believe. Anything is possible.